0: Hey community, welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. Enjoy this week's message and check back often as we're posting new content every week. Shalom, so we've been doing big grandiose things with Shalom and it's appropriate because scripture has a big grandiose vision with Shalom at the center of it and so this morning I want to continue that process because we've done a few different angles but remember Shalom, here's the difficulty with Shalom. Shalom has so many different meanings, and to, to really pull in everything that's coming with it, to give it a definition, almost immediately you lose a sense of the word because you've spoken a definition. And so you, you channel your, your idea or your thought in one direction, and as soon as you do that, you lose the magnitude and the vastness and the completeness that happens with the word in the text. But we're going to do our best because because Shalom is a central theme throughout Scripture. And one could argue that it is the theme, the theme in Scripture. And so this morning, I want to start at the beginning. And we're going to look, the words, the, you know, we talked about the different translations that Shalom gets used, uh, peace, wholeness, completeness. What else did we what else did we name uh, welfare or blessing in different places? The word gets used all over the place and gets translated in many different ways. The words we 're working with this morning are order, completeness, and harmony and so we want to start with the beginning because scripture tells this story from day one, and so we know. Scripture is written by many different people over many, many uh, decades, centuries even. And so when we talk about the way Scripture is written and where it begins, someone has compiled and said, you know what? God's story needs to begin here, and it needs to flow this way, and it needs to tell this story. So we're using a different aspect of, uh, of that sort of history of, of the text, but it's significant still to be speaking of the beginning and so this morning, we're going to do that, and we're going to start at the beginning. I want to read a quote before we get going, because I, I keep coming back. to It's like I read all kinds of people in different places, and then every time I mention a name to you, it's Walter Brueggemann, and I don't know how to stop, because... <laughs> I read something different and now we're on a wholly different subject than the last time, and then it's still Brueggemann's insight and wisdom that I'm like, whoa, how do we? So, anyway, the central vision in world history in the Bible is that all of creation is one, every creature in community with every other, living in harmony and security toward the joy and well-being of every other creature. That's going to shape our morning, that sentence, which is a lot, but it's going to shape our morning. So let's start at the beginning. Scripture tells us this story about chaos and the order of the universe. And this poem that begins our text has... This richness to it that tells a story of of all of creation moving from chaos to order. And in fact, what we're going to do over time is come back to that concept and speak in many different other places and talk about God's work happening, moving us or people or places from chaos to order. It's a specific order. It's not just an order of of whatever, but it's a specific order, a specific vision that God has for creation, for us, for, for life. So, Genesis 1. When God was creating in the beginning the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, And God said let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. And let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters, seas. And God saw that it was good. We're going to keep going in a second here, but I want you to listen to the rhythm and the flow and the beauty that's happening in this, in this passage. We so often have this set in context of debate that we have to argue over whether this is scientifically accurate or something else, or or whether this proves that All of religion is bogus. None of that is necessary. None of that is part of the point of this beautiful poem that launches us into Scripture and gives us insight into the way that God works and moves and has vision for what we do here and what this place is to be. So think what's happening in these moments when God sees that each is good, when When someone is telling this story about God working in the world through the beauty and magnificence of things around them, then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to the various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. Made also the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, we're going to keep going. You can just settle in. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful. And increase in number, and fill the water and the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish. In the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created humankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. That's not a command, that's a blessing for what it's worth. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that had been made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now that ends chapter one. And typically we think about chapter two, beginning with the seventh day and the seven days of creation, uh, but all the work happening and rest being like a, a tack on and an addition. In the Jewish tradition, day seven is not just a day of sitting, a day of rest, a day of looking out and going, oh, this is all wonderful. In the Jewish tradition, rest is an active thing that happens on day seven. It is the act of completion that occurs. It doesn't stop after day six. There's a completeness that occurs in the, in the rest. And in fact, the Sabbath Day gets pulled from or or gets referred back to, saying this was instituted in the rest, in the completeness, in the wholeness that happens on day seven. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished or completed the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he from all the work of creating that he had done. A major piece of what happens in that story, the theological statement of God has a vision for the way the world is supposed to be with and for each other. And so we go back to Brueggemann's quote real briefly. That creation is one, every creature in community with every other. Begins the story from Genesis 1 telling about all of the creatures working and living in harmony. It's not completely our experience, right? Scripture tells a different story alongside this. There is a vision and there is reality. There is movement, there is direction, there is, there is order that is moving from chaos to order. Scripture continually comes back to the idea, to the concept that we are moving toward a vision of harmony. That, that everything that, that isn't working, that is broken, that doesn't, doesn't feel quite right has a purpose To move toward this created order when everything lives in harmony with each other. Often we take this passage and we want to talk about God creating. And that's a, a valid thing to use this passage for and to have that discussion and conversation. But God's vision for the way the world should be and the way the world Uh, and the way that we should be in the world starts from this place of harmony that is given to us, this perspective, this view, this image that happens in chapter one and the beginning of chapter two. So when we think about the completeness that God finds it at the end of the seventh day, that completeness, that is the vision. And so so when we think about creation, I want us to think about this today, that we are going to move from creation to vision. Because when we look out, creation doesn't look this way. We look into our own community, things are broken. We look into our own families, things are broken. We look into even into our created order around us, the nature, and things are broken. I mean, we're doing a lot of that. We're breaking a lot of things. But there is a vision to help move and guide us forward. That's what I want us to think about this morning, is that movement from creation to vision. Often in Scripture we have a foot on either side of this conversation so we are moving our physical world toward a greater vision and yet at the same time recognizing that it is not where it should be it is not the harmony and the peace and the and the love and the joy that comes when things are in unity together and so we look forward to a day when when God moves us into a place that is that. And so we sit in in these two sides of things, like this stage, as if it's split, that we could just pull it off of here, and we can. It just takes eight people. (laughs) This is where we sit. We sit one side here going, the world isn't right I'm supposed to move it to a place that is better, that is more holistic, that is more complete, that is more in line with God's vision, and yet something doesn't feel like I could ever get it there. And so I wait, and I long for, and I envision a day when God completes and brings unison to our world and to our space, excuse me, and to our, to our lives and to, to, to this creation. So as... Scripture continues, continues to tell this story of vision for harmony and peace in the world. This is in Isaiah chapter eleven. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his, his waist. Here's the vision. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hands into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy. Do you hear the vision that comes out of the created order in harmony, working together for the joy of every other creature? We're just trying to figure that out with ourselves, and God is trying to give us a vision for something that is so great, that is so grand, that we find peace and unity with every other creature Land, universe, this is a whole different level of completeness that we fail to envision and it limits how we think about God, how we think about faith, how we think about our role as as people in this world. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. Now, I wouldn't suggest you go find those animals and try to make them live together to bring this vision to place. However, if we think that creation, Genesis 1 and 2, the beginning of 2, and these, these glimpses of movement from chaos to order, if, if that is the vision for where we are supposed to be going, then what we do on a day-to-day basis should be moving how we think about life and the world around us uh, ephesians chapter two does this quite well. We have a hard time grasping some of the some of the depth for this because we because we don 't think about really like the natural enemies that are that occur in, in Scripture. But chapter 2, verse 11, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners, to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the important part. Forget that. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall. Hostility. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't help politicize that statement right now in this context. When I look out into our news cycle and see hostility and constant barriers between one another. That we can't have simple conversations together. That we can't debate the common good without, without getting into arguments and violence and hatred. For that movement to happen from chaos, from the division, from the barriers, from the dividing walls, from the hostility, we have to have a vision for the unity and the order that God has called us to. Time and time again, God asks us to see the world in a different way, to view each other in a different way, to view all of creation in a way that is unified and together. And time and time again, we set new walls and new barriers and new dividing grounds everywhere we go. Just a uh, couple of weeks ago, something like that, We were in New Orleans for Mardi Gras. I have a hard time explaining the significance of Mardi Gras in the city of New Orleans. Because we don't have equivalents in other communities. But the number of people and families in the streets is astounding. A parade that goes on for miles has layers and layers of people for miles and when there's a break, when, the, when a, a float breaks down or something, kids are in the streets playing football with kids they don't know, with other families just hanging out like a giant block party. Nobody cares where you're from, what political stance you have, what debates you're going to carry on when you walk home. Nobody cares because, because there's a certain kind of unity that happens in that moment when everybody is just yelling and screaming, throw me something, throw me something. Nobody cares. It is like one of the most purest places and for those who've only watched Mardi Gras on the news... It is one of the most purest places of community and unity that I've seen anywhere. The vision that God calls us to is one where we look past those things or better that we embrace those things in each other and allow our community, our relationship to continue to build and grow in spite of. Or because of. To move from creation to vision for the world and for that beauty is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. It is to follow the tradition of scripture from day one to the end. Throughout. To see Shalom working with each other in our churches, in our communities, and with as Brugemann so aptly puts it, living in harmony and security toward the joy and well-being of every other creature. It doesn't stop with you and me. That vision continues to broaden and broaden and broaden until we understand the unity and the harmony of all life and creation That's shalom. That's shalom. Is this central vision that all of world history in the Bible is that all of creation is one. Every creature in community with every other, living in harmony and security toward the joy and well-being of every other creature. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevear and is used under a Creative Commons by attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.